Turn your Bibles. There's going to be a few page flippings today. I usually try um, not to do that, but I want you to see God's sovereignty as his stretched out hands are touching every part of the journey. So we're actually going to start in Genesis 12. Well, I take all of that back. I take all of that back. Start with Exodus. I'm going to have you turn to Genesis 12 pretty soon. Go to Exodus 12. If you're a visitor here, if you're here for the baptism, we're, we're excited that you're here. What a beautiful moment. But if you're a visitor, we have been in Exodus since January 1. We have been in Exodus all year, so we're about four months deep, and God has been so good to us, and we're really kind of embarking on phase two. But if you're a note taker or you want to kind of stay focused where where we are this morning, here's a simple question um, that God really placed on my heart that I want to pour into yours, and that is this. Given the chance, given the chance, God himself stands before you and he says, I am giving you the opportunity to rewrite your story. Would you do it? I want you to take a second. I want you to reflect. I want you to think about like what got you here, like the highs and the lows, the hardships and the blessings, just like all of it. Like take a second. We're not in a rush. Take a second. Given the chance, would you rewrite your story? He said, I'm allowing you. You can fill in the blank however you wish. Would you rewrite it? So look at Exodus 31. Well, chapter 12, verse 31. This is going to catch us up to speed with where we're going to be at today and Refresh your memory of where we've been. So the plagues are over. The Passover has been instated. And now the people are leaving slavery. And here is literally, in my Bible, the heading says, the Exodus. So that is where we are. It says, Then he called for Moses and Aaron by night and said, Rise. Go out from among my people, both of you, and to the children of Israel, and go and serve the Lord as you have said. Also, take your flocks and your herds as you have said, and be gone and bless me also. So Pharaoh has loosened his hands. We are 10 plagues in. He says, leave, and God says, go. You got me? And the Egyptians... The Egyptians urged the people that they might send them out of the land in haste. I love that, don't you? We just spent like months and chapters and stories. And now at the end of this, like the Egyptians are like, hey, I have a favor. I ask a favor of you. Please get out of here, right? This has been nothing but bad news for me. So the people took their dough before it was leavened, having their kneading bowls around up in their clothes and of their shoulders. Now the children of Israel had done according to the word of Moses and they had asked from the Egyptians articles of silver and articles of gold and clothing and the Lord had given the people favor in the sight of the Egyptians so that they granted them whatever they requested. Thus 
They have plundered the Egyptians at this time. Then the children of Israel journeyed from Ramath to Sakoth, about 600,000 men on foot. Besides the children, a mixed multitude went up about with them and the flocks and the herds, a great deal of livestock. And they baked unleavened cakes of the dough in which they had brought out of Egypt, for it was not leavened because they were driven out of Egypt and could not wait. So do you remember the Lord's Supper last week? We were talking about the symbolism and there was a physical symbolism and there was a spiritual one. And you remember my example last week when they looked at that unleavened bread, it symbolized that God told them to go so quick, they didn't even have time for it to rise. Do you remember? And so that was giving preference to that. It says, because they were driven out of Egypt and could not wait, nor had they prepared provisions for themselves. Verse 40. So now the sojourn with the children of Israel who lived in Egypt was 430 years and it came to pass at the end of the 430 years that on that very same day it came to pass that all the armies of the Lord went out from the land of Egypt. It is, it is a night of solemn observations, observance to the Lord who bringing them out of the land of Egypt. This is the night of the Lord And all of the children of Israel throughout their guard in the generations remember this day to be of God. Let's bow our heads and pray. God, we thank you for this moment. As we go into your word, Lord, I pray that you remove all distractions, that you remove anything that is standing in the way of us hearing, of us feasting our eyes and our hearts and our soul on your word. Lord, I pray that we leave here stronger and closer to you than when we came. Lord, I pray in the busyness of life, the sin that weighs us down and all the things that we have going on, Lord, I pray that you give us a space in the next few minutes for us to see your sovereign love and grace and what you've accomplished in our lives and in the people's lives of this book. I pray that we feast our attention on you. Thank you for what you do. Thank you for your word. Thank you for your son. Thank you for your cross. Thank you for your church. And in harmony, the church says, amen. Amen. Now, look at Genesis 12. I'm gonna have you flip a few times, but it's important. And so I want you to stay with me. Look at Genesis 12. Verses one through four. So before there was Exodus and before there was Pharaoh and before there was slavery, before you saw God's people flourish in numbers, before there was plagues, there was a promise. And so as we start phase two this morning, I want you to see God's stretched out hand in the journey and how he's writing the plan and the path for his people, which also can see be seen in our life. Look at Genesis 12, one through four. Here's the promise to Abraham. Now the Lord had said to Abraham, get out of your country. Remember, just one man and a family. Get out of your country from your family and from your father's house. Will you highlight this one for me? To a land that I will show you. Everything is connected. 
to a land that I will show you. I will make you a great nation. I will bless you and I will make your name great and you shall be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you and I will curse those who curse you. And in all of the families of the earth shall be blessed. Last part here. So Abraham departed just as the Lord had spoken to him. Find your way back to Exodus. So people that are way smarter than I have really looked at the book of Exodus as almost a trilogy, if that helps your mind, a three-book series. And what we are embarking on this morning in like Exodus 13, 14 is really seen as week one and phase two. So phase one, for those who who have a short-term memory or maybe you're visitors and you need a refresher, phase one is Moses being brought up and equipped. Phase one is Pharaoh. Phase one is the difference between Joseph and this new regime coming in. Phase one is slavery. Phase one are the plagues. Phase one is God sending his people out. And phase two is the journey. I started thinking about this. If chapters one through 13 was all that Exodus consisted of, wouldn't that be enough? Like think if you've been here, like hasn't it been awesome? Hasn't it been awesome to like see God's work and his power and you've seen what he's doing through the plagues and how he brought up Moses and how he used him later in his life and you see the adventure and you see his grace and you see his work, you just see it. And like if Exodus ended with the Passover, wouldn't you say like, hey, that was wonderful. Next, how could there be more? But isn't this a great picture of life? We're about 13 chapters in and their people are rescued. They're saved, right? But how many chapters are there in Exodus? There's 40. We're 13 in and we're like, what else is there to write about? But isn't that life? If you think about your own story, if you think about what God has done in your life, you have these 14 chapters, God saves you, and you're like, man, like, here I am, but think about all the chapters that are coming, right? That is kind of where we are in the book of Exodus. There is much more story to be told. And so look at verses 17 through 18 in Exodus 13. Skip a few and go to verses 17 and 18. So here is the journey. They are leaving Egypt. There are no more plagues in the one through 10. They are walking out in faith. They have gone from slavery to freedom. And this is where it starts. It says, then it came to pass when Pharaoh had let the people go that God did not lead them by the way of the land of the Philistines, although it was near. Will you highlight this next part for me? For God said, lest perhaps the people change their minds when they see war and they would return to Egypt. So God led the people around by the way of the wilderness of the Red Sea. And the children of Israel went up in orderly ranks out of the land of Egypt. 
And so if you have been here, we are 13 chapters in, slavery and slavery and slavery and slavery, and we come to the end of 13, and we have freedom. Promised land, here we come. But a two-week journey, if you look on the map where they were in Egypt to where God was leading them in the promised land, is about a two-week journey on foot, And for my people who know the story, what did two weeks turn into? 40 years. A two-week journey. Imagine coming out of slavery. You got the land of milk and honey, nothing but mansions and good times. Like This is the story that we have been promised from Abraham. We're a two-week journey. I can do that. I can do two weeks, right? And what did two weeks turn into? 40 years to kind of help your mind about how in the world could two weeks turn into 40 years. I want you to think of Huntington and where we live. And let's say you were driving to Jackson and instead of taking 70, you went around the world, right? So instead of just getting in your car and driving 45 minutes, you said, I'm going to get in a plane and I'm going to drive around the world to get to Jackson. That's kind of what they did. And so let me ask you, let me ask you, why? Why would God take the absolute longest route, almost so long it was hard to pull off, Why would you go around the world when it's just 45 minutes away? Well, 17 gives us one of many reasons. Look back at 17. I told you to highlight it. It says, And it came to pass when Pharaoh had let the people go, and God did not lead them by the way of the land of the Philistines, although it was near. Like, that would have been the quickest. In mind, that would have been the easiest. That was the obvious, shortest, wisest path, right? But God said, lest perhaps the people change their minds when they see war and they return to Egypt. So reflect, church. What we see in this story and what I can see in mine is that the shortest way is not always the best way. The shortest, what seems to be the easiest What Hunter would deem the most convenient, how I would write my plan, is not always the best way. God could see ahead of the people. And so the shortest and the quickest way presented obstacle for these people that were so excited to be free, right? These individuals had spent a lifetime in slavery, These people had spent a lifetime in chains, in bondage. They were not ready to face war. And what God said, even though it was just a two-week journey, if these people who are not spiritually, physically, emotionally ready for war, like if they saw war, even though it was two weeks away, they would have turned back for a 100 years in slavery. For some of us, the long way, the long way that got you here is just a remembrance of God's grace and mercy and love and guidance in getting you to the place you need to be. The long way 
Like, God, like, why did you do this? Because I know the best route for you. For so many of us, we can look back at all of the miles. You're in a good space today, let's say. You're in a good space today, you, your family, your marriage, your mind, your spirit, you're growing, you feel good, you feel healthy, you're in this journey, but you know like all the miles and all of the ups and downs it took to get here, and you go, God, why did you take that route? Never realizing what he led you away from. God, why? Because I know the best route for you. You know, I started thinking about this, this idea about what God is doing behind the scenes. Would any of you say that you're in a spiritual space right now where you feel like, I see God working? Like you're not screaming at the heavens, God, where are you? You know that you're not God and you don't fully understand, but you see him working in your life. Any of you guys there? Where you go, you know, I can see him in my kids and my family and my church and my life. We talked about this on Wednesday, like my spiritual taste buds are changing. Like I am growing. I'm loving things that I used to not love. I can see his provisions. Like I am a different man. I am a different mama. Like I'm a part of a different church. Like this is great. Isn't it great when you see the living God work? Now think about all the things that you have not seen him do. Like, think about all the things that he diverted in your life so you wouldn't face. So all these people knew was the long way. Like, all they knew was, like, God, like, do you got a map? Like, like it's right there. Why are we going the long way? And what did God say? Because I knew what would happen if you took the short way. What do you think you're going to hear in your, your time with the Lord about all the things that you didn't know that he did in your life. See, for the people of Israel that are leaving, all they see is, God, why this way? Why this way? Never to realize that war was waiting on them. Hardship was waiting on them. I think about my own life and I see God working. I see my mistakes. I see my sin. I see how God grows. I see how he provides, but I cannot wait to see how God protected, right? What sounds better? Hang with me. What sounds better? Two weeks or 40 years? What sounds better? Now, which one was better? What sounds better? If you're rewriting, God comes to you. It was my first question. He comes to you and goes, hey, listen, I am giving you the opportunity. I know you're pretty smart. You know what you've experienced. If you want to rewrite this thing, I'm giving you the blessing of doing it. Would you do it? Like, would you take all of the miles that it took to get here? All the heartache, all the hardship? Would anybody in this room say, I like the 40-mile option, the 40-year option? No, all of us take the two weeks. Life is one long journey that we are called to be faithful and to place our trust that God knows the best way. And for all of those who say, you know, Hunter, because I hear it a lot, Life has just not gone according to how I envisioned it to go. Maybe that's a good thing.
Because maybe God has a better way. And maybe 40 years is better than two weeks. And in these stories, what God calls us to as a church, people who believe, people who have professed faith, these stories call us to a more robust trust in, this is not making sense. It looks like it could be easier. God, why, where are, this calls us to, God, I believe you know best. Look at 19 through 20. It says in Moses, I love this. Talk about the long way. It says, and Moses took the bones of Joseph with him. Why would he do that? Talk about the long way to get somewhere. We're going to see it in a second. Why would he take the bones of Joseph with him? It says, Moses took the bones of Joseph with him, for he had placed the children of Israel under a solemn oath, saying, God will surely visit you, and you shall carry up my bones from here on with you. So they took their journey from Sakoth and Captain Etham, camped in Etham and the edges of the wilderness. So talk about the long way. I want you to remember week one, the very first week we are in Exodus, I asked a question of why were the people of God, the Israelites in Egypt in the first place? Do you remember that? That was week one. Why were these people here anyway? And what we got to see is God's sovereign plan of the the reason that the Israelites were in Egypt in the first place is that Joseph's brothers sold them into slavery. Ring a bell? And so when the famine hit, all of the people came up to Egypt and they came out of necessity, but they stayed because of family, right? Right? But things were good at that time. Like Joseph was in power. This was a godly group of people. There was no Pharaoh in slavery. This was a good space. I want you to see it. Go to Genesis 50. This is important. This blew my mind this week. I want you to see it. Go to Genesis 50. Genesis chapter 50, verses 22. I'm sorry, 24 through 26. Look at Genesis 50. Talking about God's plan, talk about it in 40 years, talking about the long way, what God is doing through all of this. Just look how this is connected. It says, And Joseph said to his brothers, I am dying. But God will surely visit you and bring you out of this land to the land of which he swore to Abraham, that he swore to Isaac, and he swore to Jacob. Then Joseph took an oath from the children of Israel, saying, God will surely visit you, and he shall car- you shall carry up my bones from here. So Joseph died, being 110 years old, and they embalmed him, and he was put in a coffin in Egypt." So God in Genesis 12 comes to Abraham, one man in a family, older in life, sends him out and he says to him, out of you, I am going to make a great nation to proclaim my name. And what does Abraham say? We can't even have one child, let alone a nation. And what does God say to Abraham? There's going to be more people connected to you than the stars in the sky, right? 
I am sending you to the land, we read it, in which I promise. Fast forward two to 300 years, Joseph is in Egypt because of slavery and because of him being sold into it by his brothers. He dies in power and he tells the people that there's gonna be an exodus in good times. That's important that you hang on that. There was no slavery. He was not like, hey guys, keep your head up. It's gonna get better. I'm dying, but God's coming to the rescue. Things were good. What he says to them is, listen, God is gonna come and deliver you from this place. Fast forward now, four to 500 years in the Exodus and understand that Abraham, nor Joseph, nor Moses fully understood the challenges of the journey, but they knew the promise and the end game. That's all these people understood. They didn't understand the ups and the downs and how long it would take and the challenges that existed, the death that would take place. All they understood is at the end, there's gonna be a promised land. There's going to be good news. God, why are we going this way? Because I know the best route for you. This is the last time I have you flip. Go to Revelation 22. I know this was a lot of work today, but I want you to see all of this. Go to Revelation chapter 22. Revelation chapter 22. This is our promised land. Look at Revelation chapter 22, one through five. Such a good word here. This is what God has promised to those who place their faith and trust on his son. This is where we're headed. It says, and he showed me a pure river of water of life, clear as crystal proceeding from a throne of God and of the lamb. In the middle of his streets and on either side of the river was the tree of life which bore 12 fruits, each yielding its fruit every month. Then the leaves of the tree were from the healing of the nations. And there shall be no more curse in these lands, but the throne of God and of the Lamb shall be in it, and his servants shall serve him here. They shall see his face while they were there, and his name shall be on their foreheads. There shall be no light, will you highlight? This is a good word. There shall be no more light there. There need no lamp nor light of the sun for the Lord God gives them light and they shall reign forever and forevermore. That is our promised land and this is our desert. Do you understand? So for you and I, you're like, Hunter, I can't relate to slavery. I can't relate to the Exodus That is our promised land. That is our end game. That is God's sovereign promise. And our life here on earth, if you are given 20 years or 100, this is our desert. I want you to think about even the cross. We talked about this on Wednesday night and you don't have to flip. I wanna read it to you. But I want you to even think about the mind of the men, the disciples, Peter and others, when they saw them come to take Jesus because they thought to themselves that this could not be the plan. 
Like this could not be the path. If you can do all those things, why are you dying? And what does Jesus say to them? Just listen to my words. But Jesus said to him, put your sword in its place for all who take the sword will perish by the swords. Do you not think that I can now pray to my father and he will provide me with more than 12 legions of angels? I love it. How then could, could scriptures be fulfilled that this must be the way? So for Peter, he saw the cross and he saw Christ and he saw what was happening. He saw the 40 years and he said, Jesus, this could not be the best way. And what does Christ say? The promised land comes through the desert. It is hard to understand, but this is the best way for you. Just hear the words as we end in our time in Exodus 13. It says, so they took their journey. They took their journey and the Lord went before them by the day in a pillar of a cloud to lead the way and by night in a pillar of fire to give them light. So as to go by day and night, he did not take away the pillar of cloud by the day or the pillar of fire by night before the people. And so there's two little words I wanna encourage you with two little truths that I see in that last text that I want to encourage you with concerning the journey. And first is that we see that God goes before them so he knows what's best. God went before the people and he saw the best way for them. And this should call us to a greater faith. This should call us to a greater trust. So when you and I scream out in our wilderness, in our journey, in our desert, in our 40 years, God, where are you? He responds, I'm steps ahead of you. You hear this? In our struggle and when things do not make sense, when it looks like there could have been an easier way or we are drowning in struggle, and if this did not happen, I would have rewrite it differently. God, where are you? And the truth is, he is ahead of us. He is ahead of us. He has protected you in ways that you do not realize. He has prevented things that would have destroyed you and sent you back into bondage. He walks ahead of you. Trust his path. And then we also see that God is with you always. It says, by day and night, he led them. By day in a cloud and at night in fire. And then today for you and I, he leads us in the spirit. The, the text that Brent read is that it is actually better for you if Christ left. And I used to read that as a younger Christian and I thought to myself like, how could anything be better than walking hand in hand with Jesus here on this earth? And out of Jesus's mouth in the book of Acts, he says, it is actually better for you if I leave because there is no cloud that you follow. There's no fire that you follow. It is not me walking with me that you follow. You have the living God inside of you and that is how I lead you. And so if you are on year two, if you are on year 20, if you will spend your entire lifetime in the desert, know that there is a promise that God started in Genesis and he ends in Revelation and it will come true that the Spirit lives inside of you, it guides you, it walks ahead of you, and our job is to be faithful on the journey. And so if you are saved here today, you are 13 chapters into a 40-chapter book. Stay faithful. 
place your trust in him and know that he knows the best way for you. Let's bow our heads. God, we thank you for today. Thank you for what you do for us. Thank you for your word that guides us. Thank you for your spirit that walks ahead of us. Lord, many of us, including myself, will become distracted with routes that we believe could be better. And so, Lord, there's been many times in my life where I've looked at my circumstances and I've looked at the way you guide me and lead me, and I believe that I would have a better way. And so, Lord, forgive us of thinking that we know best. If someone here is tired today, if someone here is lost in the confusion of where you are or where you're taking them or there seems to be a better way, Lord, let this message come over them that you know the best way, that the shortest path is not always the best. What seems to be the easiest is not always the wisest. There are two ways, there are two weeks and 40 years and let us place our trust in the 40 years because you know what is best for us. Let us praise God for however long it takes for us to step foot in the promised land. That there will be a day where no more tears, no more hurt, no more sickness, no more brokenness, no more conflict. And if it takes a hundred years, Lord, let us stay faithful in that journey. And your precious and in your holy name, the church says in harmony, amen.